Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. Friday came early this week. It is Friday. It's a free-for-all Friday for the next hour. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about anything. Then we'll jump on over to Twitter Spaces for trucking technology and efficiency. I believe both uh, John and Joel will be joining me on Spaces today. We'll see. Uh, I've got some things to get started with today, but line up your calls. Hold on. Line up the calls and we'll get to them shortly. 855-950-3835. I read a couple articles this morning. Uh, I want to talk about them now. I'll go over the numbers now. Um, Let me get to this article first. So this is uh, an article that was written about, the the title is called The Plight of the Owner-Operator. And it's a story came from, actually it was on NBC News. The article related the story of Arnisha Barron, a 39-year-old driver who in 2021 became an owner-operator after working at a trucking company for six years. Barron's journey from COVID boom to bust highlights the plight of many drivers who were lured into pandemic-fueled freight markets with sky-high rates. Uh, I'm going to quote from the article here. The article said in 2021, Barron took a loan of $175,000 for a new truck and was part of a flood of new entrants looking to capitalize on record rates, fueled by stories of riches from social media influencers from YouTube to TikTok. When the market turned and trucking capacity outstripped demand, many carriers shut down. Yes, that is correct. The market turned, trucking capacity outstripped demand, supply and demand, just like I've been saying. There's nothing else going on that drove these rates down to where they are. It's just supply and demand. But there's so much more to this story. Um, A major reason was revenue no longer kept up with expenses. Barron said she went from making $20,000 a month in profits in March of 2022 to just over $3,300 a month in profits later in July after fuel prices surged and demand slowed. Does anybody catching these numbers yet have any thoughts about what you've heard so far? That wasn't enough money to keep up with her family's expenses back home, which included $2,600 in rent, along with a $1,400 a month loan payment for her truck. In August, she surrendered her truck to the lender losing her $4,000 down payment and having to pay a $7,000 penalty for returning the vehicle. There is so much wrong with this article. It just makes me crazy. All I can do is comment on the numbers that are here because I don't have access to anything else. But let's go back through some of this stuff. First, I hadn't even made notes about this, but I just thought about it. I was saying She took, in 2021, she took a loan for the truck, but it doesn't tell us what month. And by August of 2022, she's already lost the truck. Well, first off, 2022 was not a bad year at all. We did not, there is nothing in the numbers about freight rates or fuel prices or expenses that could possibly explain, first off, She was not making $20,000 a month in profit ever. I'm sorry it didn't happen. I know rates were really high, but with this scenario, she didn't do that. Somebody is screwing up the numbers, and I know they are, because the rest of the numbers don't make sense. First off, I ran the numbers. If, If this were traditional financing, not some sort of goofy lease with a big balloon payment, The numbers make zero sense. If we were to use traditional financing on this truck, $175,000, $4,000 down. In 2022, I'm going to predict that a first-time buyer couldn't have gotten a rate much better than about 7 or 8%. 
The only way I could work this out to a $1,400 a month truck payment, you'd have to finance it for 20 years. That didn't happen, so this must be some sort of goofy lease. Well, here's the first problem. She should have never, ever signed for this truck. She had no business plan. She had no idea what freight rates could do, what, what potentially was possible. And obviously, nobody involved in this knows how to put numbers together. The $1,400 a month payment is either wrong or it was, like I said, a really goofy financing that would have bit her in the ass anyway at some point. But they also, uh, this makes me crazy. There wasn't enough money to keep, oh, they've already told us profit. Remember, profit went from $20,000 a month to $3,300. Didn't happen. Next to impossible. But then they say that wasn't enough to keep up with their family's expenses. Rent $2,600, $1,400 a month loan payment for the truck. That's not a family expense. It's not a household expense. That should have already been taken out of profit. Well, I have to assume it wasn't because they're talking about it as a household expense. This is what makes me crazy, that there's such ignorance here in how business works, how we should be reporting numbers, and then we wonder why somebody like this can't stay in business. This has nothing to do with anything except total ignorance and zero planning or knowledge of how to be in any business successfully, much less trucking. And now I understand. I couldn't figure out how these people on TikTok and YouTube were, were getting hundreds of thousands of followers with these trucking videos. I never watched any of them. I guess I should have. But I, it, this is what they were telling people. Just go buy a truck and you, you make all kinds of money. I know I hear people talking about this, but I just ignore this whole thing. I, I guess that's really what was going on with this stuff. But again, I would love for somebody to show me the profit and loss statement that shows $20,000 a month profit in March and $3,300 a month in July. Can't happen. It just, there, there just makes absolutely no sense. Then if it's true, the money she's making just barely covers her rent at home. They don't even talk about all of the other household expenses, which we should be talking about. We should know how much it takes her to live because it's the only way we could know if the business is going to throw off enough profit. So that that this kind of reporting just makes me a little insane. Now, this article that I'm reading was in Freight Waves, but all they're doing is quoting from the article from NBC. So that's where the problem was. The original article is just so poorly written. I, I don't know what's happened to journalism in this country. I don't know what's happened to a lot of people in their their job skills. But um, that one makes me a little crazy. Here's another one, though. Um, trucking company owner indicted for $100 million Ponzi scheme. Um, here's a quote from the article. Um, okay, so let me go back to this. Singh, that's the guy's name, Sanjay Singh, allegedly enriched himself unlawfully by causing individuals and corporations to invest in Royal Bengal Logistics. This this is story's been in the news for a couple of weeks. This is the first time I've seen some of these numbers. Um, Singh also allegedly used investor funds to make payments to earlier investors for his personal use and benefit. That's what makes it a Ponzi scheme. The company contracted to use investor funds to purchase and operate trucks for investors while guaranteeing the investment principle and monthly returns typically exceeding 200%. Nobody, no adult in the United States should be ignorant enough to think that any investment could ever return them a guarantee of 200%. I, I have to believe this is a typo. There's no way people were convinced that they could give this guy some money, he's going to go buy a bunch of trucks, run them, pay all the expenses, and the investors are going to get 200% back? 
Ah, this just makes me insane. Um, then there was another part of this. Singh also offered investors separate opportunities to make investments that supported the company's operations or its trailer manufacturing program. These other types of investments would yield guaranteed returns ranging from 20 to 40 percent. Wh who are these people? How did they get any money to invest if they're this ignorant? I almost want to use the word stupid. Ignorant we could solve. Stupid is uncurable, I believe. I, I just, I, I can't imagine who these people are and how they were convinced that they were going to get these kinds of returns. These kinds of returns do not exist anywhere in any investment ever. Certainly not guaranteed returns. Anytime, let me give you a clue here. Anytime somebody approaches you with some sort of an investment, first off, if they approached you, just run the other way. But if, if you're looking at investments and they are guaranteed rates of return, they are not going to be much higher than what a, a good money market or CD would pay today. They can't be. Now, there could be returns that are possible and, and they should be talking about all kinds of risk, but they're talking about guaranteed returns of 200%. Uh, the 20 to 40 is outrageous. 200%, like I said, it, it, I, I really hope it's a typo. I hope there are not people out there ignorant enough to... And he, he found enough people to generate a hundred million dollars of this. Oh, I, I, I really, I, this belongs in the Babylon Bee. This, this can't be real. And if it is, let's just get down to the, the real issue here. In both of these instances where, you know, the woman lost, she'll probably lose everything. She'll end up filing bankruptcy if these numbers are true. That's sad. Um, these people, $100 million gone. You can't write enough rules, laws, or regulations to protect ignorant people. You just can't, and we should stop trying. The only cure for ignorance is education. That's it. You can't protect people if they are going to be this ignorant. It's impossible. Uh, how come? Oh, I do have some calls. I just have to refresh, I think. Hold on. Yes, let's, uh, no, I don't. They're in the screening room yet. Hold on. Um, all right, did I have anything else? Yeah, I think I had one other thing here. Um, yeah, this was another headline from yesterday, another good article from uh, Freight Waves. Rate limited, cost to operate a truck, $2.25 a mile. We, we reported on that from Atri a week or two ago. National spot rate, is now 222 a mile. The national spot rate is now less than the average fleet cost to operate a truck. Let's be clear about that number. That is an average and it is a fleet cost and it does include 90 cents a mile for driver wages and benefits. So let's kind of relate that to an owner operator instead. Let's take the 90 cents away for uh, just for a minute so we can see the cost of operating the truck itself without the driver wages. That's a better way to approach this as an owner operator. Let's start with that number. So if we take the 90 cents away, we're down to $1.35 a mile to operate the truck itself. And it's an average and it's a fleet cost. Fleets typically are buying new trucks. So this is new truck pricing. Owner operators do not need to be buying new trucks and in many cases should not be. So we could lower a cost there. If you lower the cost of your truck, you also lower the cost of your insurance because it's based on the price of the truck. In one step, we've lowered two costs. We're not at $1.35 anymore. We will be less than that. How much less depends on how cheap you want to buy a truck. Buy a $20,000 truck and you'll be significantly less than that. Fleets are horrible. Fleets suck at managing fuel costs. Their single biggest cost and they just 
They're awful at it. So here's another place we could easily take 10 to 20 cents a mile off what the fleets are paying for fuel. Get a good discount program like Nastic, and it's better than most fleets discounts. And you have total control over that fuel mileage in your truck. There's lots of things you can do. So we could start to see this true cost for an owner operator potentially come down to about a buck. Not to now that's before the, the, the owner operator gets any profit. See, in a single truck operation, you could pay yourself a set wage. I know a lot of people who do it that way. I, I'm not sure why. And I've often asked them, what do you do on a week or a month or whatever where there wasn't enough profit to cover your wage? So in my, and there's no right or wrong way to do this. I just like to do where things that I get better results with. I find that owner operators understand this better if they only track the operational costs first without any wage in there for themselves. Technically, as a single truck, single person business owner, the profit left over is your wages. You should be accounting for things like replacing equipment and having an emergency fund as a business expense. And then once you cover all of those things, profit is your wage. I think that's a better way to look at it. So now if we get those operational costs down to about a buck a mile, which is not out of the question. I know some people in today's world who are still in the 80 cent a mile range for true operational cost of the truck and the business. And then whatever profit they could generate would be their wages. Now these numbers aren't looking that bad. If I can operate at a buck a mile and the average spot market rate is 222, that means I'm profiting $1.22 a mile. Those are really, really strong numbers. We should not be seeing a lot of people go out of business right now, except there are too many stories like the one I just talked about. No business plan, totally ignorant on how to operate a truck efficiently. And that's what Fridays are all about. That's why I saved this stuff for today. Fridays are all about operating trucks efficiently. You know, when I posted Matt's numbers the other day on social media and roughly off the top of my head, Matt's making like 274 a mile. So he's significantly above the national spot market rate still. His fuel cost is really low. He doesn't have truck payments. So his operational costs were more like a dollar a mile before his wages. When I posted it, immediately... People jumped on it and said, oh, but brokers aren't paying $274 a mile. We never claimed they were. We didn't even claim the spot market rate was that high. It's not. So how do you get $274 a mile? This is what we talk about. We, building relationships, working with a handful of brokers, proving your value to those shippers or brokers. It takes time and strategies and hard work to get to the point where you can generate that kind of revenue. And then they attacked his expenses. Well, he doesn't have a truck payment. Well, his fuel cost is so low. How, how's, you, that's not realistic. It's absolutely realistic. These are real numbers. Nobody's fudging these numbers. We could show you a tax return if you wanted, but I can promise you these numbers are real. So when you fight back against these numbers, well, that's not what is happening. No, it is happening. This is what we talk about doing the hard work. And this took Matt years to get here. And, you know, we, we use Matt's numbers because he shares them. I could probably come up with a, at least 30 owner operators that I know put out these kind of numbers consistently across all segments, car haulers, tankers, flatbed, van, people doing significantly better than these averages we keep seeing or these horror stories about people who got into business with zero knowledge, zero planning and thought they were going to get rich. So there is another side. And if you've been doing things right, the freight recession hasn't even started yet. We're still 
still seeing close to record numbers in rates and profit for some people. But that's, that, that's why I do this. That's why we have the shows that we have, to teach people how to be efficient operating one truck. That is the whole key to this. If you ever want to build a fleet, the way to do it is learn how to run one truck efficiently as possible. All right, let me see what's going on with some calls here. Let's go to Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind you, today? You were asking about, well, I got a couple things, but real quick, you were asking about the problem of hey, Herschel, and are, our journalism. Are yeah. you on a Bluetooth, a speakerphone? You just sound, your volume's really low, like you're really far away. Got the same blue parrot on. I always do. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe the boom was too far away. Now you sound better. It's probably where I'm at. Just almost to 270 there in Columbus. Getting better? Yeah, you're better. Go ahead. What? I was going to say, throw me on hold and come back if you want to. No, it's, it wasn't a cell signal thing. It was a volume thing, and now your volume's up. So go ahead. Okay. You were asking the problem with journalism and society. I think it's L-O-C. Lack of cojones. Maybe it does all come back to the low testosterone, screwed up hormone thing that we've done to people with diets and drugs and vaccines. I I, I am so sick, really, of of poor quality work across the board. Poor attitudes, poor quality work. Nobody seems to care about their work anymore. Journalists, that, that is such sloppy journalism to report something like that. Well... What I mean is lack of cojones day. People are, number one, they won't even work to do for themselves. They look to the government and the almighty Sleepy Joe and that bunch to bail them all out and everybody else that's been there. They don't have any morals, no stick to itness. No, you're right. You know what I mean? There's just, yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no ethic. You're right. There's no ethic anymore. None. That's really what I'm talking about, a a work ethic, right? You know, do your job well. You're getting paid for it. If you don't think you're getting paid to do your job well, then you should go find another job. You were talking about rates and being able and talking about Matt at 274. I do containers. It's the cheapest damn work there is. Yeah, it is. I'm still at 246 for the year gross. 246. See, you know, when I start looking around at people like you and Matt, and I said 30 or 40, probably hundreds in our tribe, when I look at their numbers, there is no freight recession. No. No. These are numbers. It goes back to building. yeah, if we if we compared these numbers like yours right now, Matt's to to any year in the last decade other than a couple, this would be a really strong year. Now, are there people really struggling? Yes. Absolutely. There's no doubt that there are people who are going to lose their truck. They're, they're struggling. I get it. What we're seeing here is the best example I have seen in 40 years in this business of why and how you should be doing the right things. Had you been doing the right things, this isn't even close to a freight recession yet. This is still a really strong year. If you're doing the wrong things or not doing the right things, you'll be out of business. I've never seen it be this split. Well, you were talking on the space yesterday that most people, and it could be owner-operator, it could be people with a regular job, doesn't have a pot to piss in for a savings account. Well, in my book, our savings account, mine and my wife's, it's pretty hairy. <laughs> yeah. We got over half of what we pay for our house in savings. Oh, all that, you got to do is pay attention. That is so awesome. Really? It... All you got all you got to do is pay attention. You're right. That, that's it. Uh, it to, to, to pay attention and you'll start to catch on to things. And anybody who did nothing, and, and I can pretty well make the claim that this person that I talked about this morning did nothing except watch some TikTok influencer and was convinced she could buy a truck and go make a bunch of money. That was the entire business plan. I'm positive of it. Yes. Yes. So 
the guy that's on usually Thursday on the space, he goes by TJ. Yeah. You know, ask him sometime when he's on to just do a quick bio. I find that guy really interesting. Oh, yeah, he's out he screwing around in a solar field. Out in a solar field, he talks about being in a motorhome. Then he's talking about warehousing and trucking. And I'd just like to know a little I, more about the guy. And he was, ta- he was talking about wanting drivers and whatnot, owner-operators, company guys. But where is he geographically? I let, just think he's an interesting guy. I'll give you the thumbnail sketch from what I know. And then uh, TJ's on almost every space. Sometimes he's out turning wrenches or doing something, and he's just got it in the background, but he's usually pretty active on there. So I'll have him do it today. I'll give you a, a rough idea of what I know. Um, I believe he started somewhere in the 2000s, uh, actually bought like a $2,500 cab over day cab and started running some free. Yeah, I heard him local. telling that yesterday. Yeah. So that's how he got started. That was hilarious. Um, around, I'm thinking it was 2014, 2015, he came to two CMCs. By that time, if I remember right, he might have had like 10 to 15 trucks and he was specializing in wine delivery. He's in um, Central, the Central Valley in California, I think, uh, Paso Robles, in that area somewhere. I'm not sure now if he's moved around, but he's always been kind of in that area and he got into wine. Um, doing kind of wine distribution. And then I think he added spirits at some point. Uh, Just to fast forward to today, he's got 80 trucks, 80 some trucks. He contracts owner operators. Um, He has a brokerage. So he also brokers freight. Um, He's got a terminal, I believe, in Texas somewhere. Uh, he does a lot of California to Texas, but then he's got some East Coast stuff to Texas. He has got a very, very unique, really cool operation. It really is. What he has built there is just incredible. And then the funny thing is, when he was talking to us yesterday, he took a truck and a flatbed from California over to Texas to do some stuff. He still jumps in the truck and goes and does this kind of stuff with 80 yeah. trucks. That That's well, almost I'm, unheard of. I know, I'm, guys, I, you know, I've worked with fleets, 25 trucks and the owners and the family still drive sometimes. But I, I don't know that I've heard of an 80 truck fleet where the owner still does all this crazy stuff like TJ does. The very first company that I was leased on to, the guy that owned it, he was trying to talk one of the older hands into going to Pittsburgh from central Ohio where I live. And he said, oh, Dave, he said, I can't go over there. He said, well, why not? He said, well, my truck's just got a little engine in it. And, well, what are you talking about? He said, it's only got a six-cylinder. He said, well, I thought you had a big engine. And he, he he did end up going. That's how clueless most owners are. Oh, that, that. <laughs> he, he actually it, bought it. It's only a six cylinder. He had a four and a quarter B Caterpillar. That oh, thing would run. <laughs> the, the, the ignorance and, and the, uh, you know, we've already talked about the work ethic, which is really making me crazy, but the ignorance, I, I am astounded I, I, when I look at that article, I, I don't know if the problem is the reporting was so bad that the numbers aren't even close to being right. I, I Or the and this, I think, is more of the truth. The owner operator providing those numbers was totally clueless. Herschel, you know, you understand numbers in trucking. Can you imagine in in any year, and certainly if we go back to the beginning of 2022, there is just no way to explain how somebody claims they were making $20,000 a month in profit. First off, I I really doubt that number. I'm not saying it wasn't possible then, because Matt was doing those kinds of numbers then. But we also know that we just talked about this. Matt's been building towards that for years. This person drove for six years, bought a truck on a fluke, made all kinds of mistakes. And I can't believe they were really generating 20,000 in profit. Then within a couple of months, and we're still in the middle of 2022, July, now claims they can only make 3,300 in profit. Can you come up with any way of explaining those numbers? 
No way. There's no none. way. None. It I just, just do doesn't inter- even make I any sense. I just do intermodal. At doing what I do, it's just intermodal. It's local. I'm gone six to eight hours a day. Right. That's it. Right. Kind of like Joe. Yeah. And I, last month, last month I did uh, fourteen five gross. And if I remember correctly, I think I had thirty two hundred dollars in expense with fuel and everything. That's truck payment and all. Right. That's it. Right. So and, I still profited little over 10. And that makes sense. Those numbers make sense. Are they averages? Hell no, not even close, but are they possible? Sure. That that's, and, and when we, I post results like this and I talk about it so we can get people to understand if you do things right, this is what's possible. And the feedback I get is it's almost like they're saying those numbers aren't possible. Or they're saying, well, that's not the average. I get it. That's not the average. If you want to succeed in business, you better figure out how to be better than average. But then when I I say, well, this is what happens when you develop some relationships. Oh, brokers don't want to develop relationships. This is what happens when you control your fuel. Well, you can't control your fuel cost. How do you talk to people like that? And and many of these people are actually still in business as owner operators and doing okay. But but they uh, somehow actually, think you I've can't do you better. Before, I get a better rate doing the run that I do simply because I'll do the oddball stuff to take care of the end customer where I deliver this stuff. And so I get a better rate than the other contractors that are leased to the very same company because I do the oddball stuff. Exactly. So it takes care of the customer. That's how you do it. One of the messages that they were trying to get out in this article, and I didn't even really touch on it because it's a whole different issue. um, Some analyst looked at all this and said, the biggest problem here is underutilization of capacity, that we have too many empty miles. We're not efficient at keeping trucks loaded. I completely agree with that. We could really improve our efficiency, and I know there's a lot of technology out there trying to do this right now, but but here we go again. Each individual could solve this problem for themselves. We don't have to wait for the industry or government or somebody else to to figure out a way to keep trucks loaded more often. You can have a big impact on that yourself. Well, how many times have you heard you were talking about Florida yesterday? You go in for three fifty a mile and you come out for eighty five cents. Now, does eighty five cents suck? Uh, yep, but, but you know what? Your mileage worse? is good, and you're in you're in the you're in the forty five cent range on your fuel. And you take 85 cents a mile to get to Atlanta and then pick up $2.95 a mile. You still made 40 cents a mile profit. What the hell? At least it bought your fuel better than zero. I I was just going to say, you know what's a lot worse than 85 cents a mile? Zero a mile. (laughs) (laughs) The very first company. I checked the math. It really is a lot worse. That that very first company that daddy, we always called him daddy Dave because he just thought he was a hero and he's only about, well, he's about your height, just a little feller, but he just thought he was a hero. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he paid us 80 cents a mile empty and 95 cents a mile loaded. That was it. Oh, 1998, I remember those days. And now yeah. here it is. Yeah. It, I, and the hor- most horrible economic times that we have, and I'm still at 246. I, I can go back there. I had a truck contracted at one point for 72 cents a mile. Mm, yeah. Yeah. If that, I go back to yeah, the late RPS 80s, back yeah, in the R- day. RPS, yeah, late 80s, 72 cents a mile. That's all it paid. And every, all my owner operator friends, and they were all older than I was. I was the young kid. They, everybody from Spartan where I was contracted at the time, Spartan was a roadway company. Roadway started RPS. The, they fired the contractor that was in the Akron terminal. He, the guy was a total dirtbag. They fired him, so they needed a new contractor in the building. There's only one. You got the whole building. Um, so a bunch of the contractors from, from Spartan went down to the interview. They all came back. Oh, screw them. I'm not working for 72 cents a mile. And you have to rent their yard tractor to do all this local work every day. And that doesn't pay. And I looked at it and said, yeah, you know, the numbers aren't that great, but I want to go back to school and 
I could put this together where I would be able to work from six o'clock in the evening till about two o'clock in the morning on a line haul, which gives me all kinds of time to go back to school. And I can make a little bit of money on this. I'm going to keep my other trucks and the rest is history. Turned out to be a very, very profitable move for me. And ultimately, 20 years later, sold the contract in the trucks for a whole bunch of money. Well, that uh, the old man that told Daddy Dave he couldn't go to Pittsburgh because all he had was a six cylinder. <laughs> when I first got into it, when I first when I first got into it as an owner operator, I I didn't know beans from apple butter. I mean, I had Wait, driven, none of us yes, did, right? But yeah. as far as I, I really didn't. I mean, I was in sales for seven years, and I made some good money doing that. One salesman of the year, three years in a row, and all that good stuff, but. I didn't know. The old man, he was one of the first guys I met when I went there as a newbie owner-operator. And the very first thing he told me, he called me son all the time. He said, son, I'm going to tell you the first thing you got to do. I said, okay, what's that? And he said, the first thing you got to do is you get yourself up to $10,000 in your truck account, and you never, ever let it go below 10000 You keep adding yeah. to it. Good course. advice. You never let it go below ten. Yep. And I, Good. I've always remembered that and I've always done it. Yeah. And that, that that's simple and we could play around with numbers, but just the concept of you've got to be able to put some money aside. And if you're operating your business every day, every week, every month, and you're never able to put some money aside, you've got a problem and you got to solve it. Let's uh, let's get to some calls here. Let's go to. uh Oh boy, they're piling up on me. Uh, Don in Atlanta, welcome. Hey, was that me, Kevin? Don in Atlanta? It is. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, Kevin. Uh, good to talk to you. Uh, I'm just checking in. I haven't called in a little while, and uh, we're about to place a Celeste truck order today. And well, thank we got you. A ton of stuff. Uh, yeah, we got a ton of stuff on the on the radar for next week. I'm spending Monday and Tuesday with Jim Fowler, MD Alignment, next oh, week excellent. to work on my fleet truck. Yeah. And Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at Pittsburgh Power to get my overheads done, my torsional damper, pre-buy some of those sensors that uh, – well, I went back and listened to that March 7th program yesterday while I was on my way back into home. And, and I said, wow, I got to make some more notes on there because Leroy at the end talked about certain uh, – sensors how they right they, what is the word he used degradate or said they break down over time you know right. and so i like yeah you know what i'm gonna get three or four of those whatever he yeah. seemed the, the, the most this, three or four most important this is like christmas in july this is fun yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's what I, you know when you're 10 when you're 10 years i mean when you're 10 years old you love christmas when you're when your wife brings a baby into the world and you and, and you don't know what the sex is it's like christmas as an adult yeah this is like christmas as an adult yeah brain. it is yeah you it know is. um so so, so 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 some things I just wanted to kind of run by you and, and share some successes with you. You know, you told me back in October, I think I have the call number in a note file on my on my iPhone that says what day to go back and listen to Kevin where he said <laughs> wait six months. And I waited the, I waited the six months and I and I was looking at trucks that were in their mid seventies on the price at our company and that I that I worked for as a company driver and they expect I guess they spec their trucks as good as Maverick does. Okay, um, good. You, you know, I heard talking to one guy about how good Maverick spec the truck and all. Yep. Anybody who's ever bought one there had a really great success with their used truck. So uh, we did that. I waited the six months like you told me to. And the truck that I had looked at was 72,000, had about 650,000 miles on it. And when I called in to talk to the guy, and again, I got to talk to the driver who who had turned, he said, I'm turning this in in two nice. or three weeks. Nice. And this been an excellent truck right it doesn't use a drop of fluids it runs like a sewing machine well he uh he he when he turned it in he sent me a text hey turned in my truck yesterday i followed up called the guy that does all the selling he said hasn't dropped yet but as soon as it drops i'll let you know we'll get it ready for trading with freight liner and it'll be ready for you and and the driver gave us a list of things he thought needed to be checked out they checked them all out they took care of all of it the guy dropped the truck to forty five thousand for the price on it. Isn't that crazy? And, then, and the rest of them were seventy. That's that's how he and he says we tried to take care of our insert company name guys when yeah. they go out to do owner operating. Mm -hmm. And and so other than 
other than joining nine plus mile per gallon Facebook group that you told me to join about four years ago when I, when my wife first bought the course for me for Christmas. And I was, I think I'd just actually taken a 34 and worked through changing lanes without crashing I in, remember. in the, in the yep. iron skillet one weekend. I, <laughs> I'd, I'd worked through that course, <laughs> but you, you know, uh, you said, join the, you said, join the, join the Facebook group. And other than joining that group, I didn't do that much for fuel mileage yet. Some things Jim's going to install air tabs for me when I get up there on Monday and, 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 and different things we're going to have done. But having only joined that Facebook group, Kevin, I, I just took my last, my second to the last trip I took while we were out. Wife and I were out for 28 days. The last trip that I took from Moreno Valley, California to, with a Harbor Freight Tools delivery to the Harbor Freight Tools in Dillon, South Carolina, which is right on the North and South Carolina border there. I, I got 9.2 miles per gallon with my fleet truck on that trip. Back wow. Then. Now, we were, we were pleasantly surprised when we got there, and they said, it's supposed to be under 40,000. I said, oh, no, you're only 6,000. So we were, we were hauling some super, <laughs> light, nice. super yeah. lightweight stuff. But 9.2 all the way across the country. So listening to uh, Herschel just talk to you about cost per mile and stuff, mine, I, and I haven't went into your website and adjusted – I. Steve Wheeler is my mentor. He called your Excellent. program the day I called you back in October and said, uh, you know, uh, give Don my number and I'll, I'll be his mentor if he'll, uh, you know, I remember. Yep. And so he's been coaching me. He's, yep, he's been coaching me all the way along. And he's, he's coaching another friend of mine, Melody, who is also calling to your program sometimes now. And so he's kind of coaching both those. But he, he introduced us to another mentor, somebody else that was somebody he helped get started with Landstar a few years back. And that person has been doing some conference calls with us since we started and helping that. us make contacts with the agents. Uh, you, you know, know I, I love hearing all of this. Up. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Well, you always, you always talk about it on the program. It's, it's not load board work. It's relationship work. Yes. And I'll tell you, Kevin, that my wife and I, you know, you said you guys are going to succeed. You're, you're working hard. You know, my miles are 44 cents per mile. And I've, and I've only tracked it for the 19,000 miles we did during our first 28 days out. But we only did three loads through load boards uh, during that time. Nice. All, we did about a dozen loads. The rest of them came through phone calls direct, with direct freight to the agent. And, and, and I think we gross. Now, I've, I gotta, I'm going to order profit gauges later today while I'm at home, taking my laptop to the hotel room with me while I'm, while I'm at Pittsburgh Power. And, and when I can't, if I, you know, when I'm there, I want to learn, but I, I know there's certain shop rules and I can't get in the way. Jim, Jim says, if I, if I say, hey, Don, the Cadillac's out front, that means you're slowing my guys down trying to learn so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so I, while, I'm, while I'm there, I'm going to try to utilize that time, and maybe I won't have to make too many calls to your support team to get me into profit gauges. I've got my 21-pocket folder uh, full of receipts to, to data enter in there. While I was out on this, this, not, this 28-day run, finally, after receiving it on March 4th via the certified letter, the IRS had my company S-Corp paperwork in my I was in my mail when I got home last night to look at it so we got a lot of things moving in the right direction only slow down with that is I got to go back through the Landstar process to maybe change truck numbers and change a bunch go through some of that stuff again but we're right around the corner from from getting we're going to get gusto payroll service payroll services to put the wife and I both on a w2 for a set salary per month and then let everything else plow into the account it's just you know steve said just stack the cash initially yep. just stack the cash yep and and so that's what we've done we'll be at that i think we build about $40,000 in that first $28 in that first 28 days that's I say build, but that's the gross amount yeah. for all the runs that we did. Yep. And I think the number we'll take out of that is 26. And, of course, you know, you got all those prepays you got to do from your initial 10 or 12 weeks of settlements that are coming out. So You know the best part of this whole story right now? What's you, that? you know all those numbers. That's the yeah. best part yeah. of this. Yeah. That, yeah, that's I mean, that's you, what I, mean, I try to get. If I, if I can get somebody to the point you're at where they understand the numbers, then they start learning on their own. 
That's the whole point of yeah, this. Yeah, I'm I, a numbers I, geek anyway. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I love numbers. As much as I love my job security, that there's always going to be people calling me and asking me questions, I, I don't want to have to be the guy that answers everybody's questions. I, I, in the beginning, that's fine. That's how we all learn. That's how we stop being ignorant. And, and it's the reason I focus so much on the numbers, because if I can get you or anybody else to understand the numbers, then you can start answering your own questions. You, you start learning how to do this stuff. That's when it gets better. That, that's so thank you for the feedback. I, I'd love to spend more time. I got to get through some calls. Call back, though. I, I, I love when people call with the numbers. They understand the numbers. This is how we can get through to other people and, and get them to understand. You don't get to go buy a truck and start a business and you're not entitled to a profit. You have to earn it. You have to have a plan. You have to do the right things. But if you do, you can succeed at this and you can make a pretty decent amount of money. Let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome. Hey, what's up, Kevin? That was a great uh, thing yesterday, Twitter, with that, that uh, representative from oh, yeah. Minnesota. That was, <laughs> that was good. Nice to hear that way you did. Yeah. Uh, real quick, that, that one you were talking about, that, that some J guy, whatever, I, if I'm not mistaken, that was in Wisconsin, the company. Because um, I, I remember when I, li- I lived there, they could, the guy had the guy owned the truck stop. If it's the same guy, he had the same last name, and I believe it was the same guy. He had a truck stop right there by Russell, uh, right across the line in Wisconsin, and he he was doing shady stuff with with a fuel there too. If it's the same guy, it, but if, it, I, I don't have I, I didn't have a chance to look into it, but I'm not sure. It, and like it I said, like some, some of this reporting anymore is so bad. You've got to go find three yeah, or four other articles to try to verify stuff, but. Um, you you couldn't screw up the facts too bad. A hundred million dollar Ponzi scheme, uh, <laughs> even if we're off a little bit. Uh, come on. Are there really adults today who would believe somebody telling them I can guarantee you a 200 percent return on your money? There are adults today that will fall for. Yeah. That? Well, that's the, that's the sad part about it. It is sad. And, but, uh, and I, you know, was, I'll probably make a prediction. If he was able to find $100 million to scam out of people, it was probably a whole bunch of government money. It was just oh, yeah. all, all this yeah. money that the government's been handing out because people this ignorant wouldn't be capable of accumulating $100 million. <laughs> True. True. So uh, the other thing I want to say was... Um, the uh, that copper and silver stuff, Kev. My, I've been on it for now almost a month and a half. I, I take the copper and the silver, you know. Okay. And my hair, I said that before, my hair, but my complexion and my skin is like nice. I never, yeah. I, I mean, I looked in this. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I look younger than I did ten years ago. That's wild. That really I is. Just, yeah, and, and like I said, yeah, just the, the hair growth and 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 just the, like the texture of my skin, like it's it's not sagging or anything, and my my face is like taunt and nice. I don't know that stuff. Like I said, it's, it's, it's amazing. It really is. I know you got to go. Let somebody get else get in there. All right, good yep. stuff. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Nebraska. Brad, welcome to the program. Well, good morning, Kevin. Hey, to answer your question about the. Uh, the lack of in journalism integrity and, you know, and I think it all rolls into how people don't seemingly want to work. And I think my personal theory is we're, we're dopamine addicts with our uh, social media and our smartphones. You're, you're absolutely and just like right. an addict when you don't get it, we don't get it. Yeah. When you don't get enough of it, you get lethargic, you get kind of agitated and no, you, you are right. Social media has, has, I, I know this sounds really drastic, but it's destroying our society. Well, I've told people it's the lead pipe of this empire. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, it, it, the lead line, lead line plumbing of this empire. Yeah. And the dopamine you're talking about is planned. That, that is the point. That's why they write their algorithms the way they do. The, their goal is to make sure you keep getting a dopamine hit. That's what keeps you there. Yeah, and I think 
if you've ever watched any uh, cartoons from Japan from 10, 20 years ago, you'd look at it and you think, how the hell can anybody even follow this? It's just flashing lights. Yeah, I mean, right. if you had epilepsy, you'd, oh, be, you'd, be, yeah. you'd be out in three seconds. <laughs> and I think the Japanese had already started on it earlier, and I think that's where it's escalating to because you watch stuff now, even in you know television, if anybody's still watching television. You know, we we don't have a long shot anymore of 10, 30 seconds. It's two oh. and three second shots, cut to this, cut to that. It is. It makes me it, crazy. It's accelerating. I know. It makes me crazy to watch that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, I struggle with it. Yeah. But but that was that, just, a, uh, yeah, just a theory there. No, and I a think question you're right. that I had. Yep. You talked about. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. And the question that I had was you've talked about maybe doing a new uh, signature truck. And he talked about the N14 and I guess I didn't realize you could drive mileage out of the N14. So that's what I was going to pick your brain. Why the N14? So my favorite engine, I think everybody knows was the series 60, the, even the 11 liter, which disappeared a long time ago. I really loved that engine. We built dozens of 12 sevens that just did fantastic. Good fuel mileage, low maintenance cost, long life, not a lot of problems, easy to work on. And because of that, I, I kind of stuck with that engine for a long time because I knew it, I knew. But then uh, over time, I would run into these people with N14s and their fuel economy was pretty good. I mean, it wasn't horrible and they weren't really trying. They weren't really doing a lot of things like I was doing to the 12 sevens and the trucks. And then I started noticing these engines were almost bulletproof. At one point, I knew of three N14s that had exceeded 2 million miles and hadn't been opened up. I thought that Series 60 lasted a long time because we could get them to 1.4, 1.5 many times before an in-frame. The, the N14 is even more bulletproof. It's a simpler engine, which I kind of like. And I do believe we could rival the fuel economy of a 12.7 if we worked on it. You know, the, the 12.7 didn't always get the kind of numbers we, you know, Steve Crone is still breaking 10 with his, his old 1999. I think it's a 99, 2001, somewhere around there. Uh, but we knew that engine inside and out. We focused on it. We knew all the things to do to it to get that kind of fuel economy and we were putting it in, in trucks with good aerodynamics and low rolling resistance and low mechanical resistance. And I just think if I put that much focus on an N14, we might find out that may be one of the lowest cost engines to operate. Oh, okay. Well, I'm in the process of looking at, uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to weigh between, I'm replacing equipment, trying to weigh between pre-emission, actual pre-emission stuff, pre-03 stuff. Yeah. And the post stuff, you know, in the, uh, the 2000 range and my mechanic said, well, he said, I don't know if this will influence your decision or not, but you see that truck over there, it needs a single box SCR. We've been waiting almost four weeks for one. It, right. So, well, now let and me, let me say this. I am, I am good with trucks all the way up to about 2004 because there were some, still some non-emission stuff in there. Um, and then I'm okay with trucks again after 2014. And I, I could play around with mm -hmm. those years a little bit, but if I do it from 04 to 2014, it's a decade. It's easy for everybody to remember. I, I could be completely happy with either a truck from either one of those two time frames. I don't want any truck from 04 to 14. I just don't want any of those in between. Yeah. Yeah. And there were two particular trucks I was looking at. One was a, a T6 with a N14, a 98 model. Hard to beat. And a 99 Volvo with a series, uh, and a series 60 that, in a uh, 99 Volvo 630 with a 13-speed. Also hard to beat, which was the last truck and, I owned and sold was a 99 630 with the series 60 in it. Oh, okay. That was yeah, the last I'm one of, those, one of those. Oh, okay. Well, I do plan on doing a uh, an APU, probably an electric APU, those uh, LIFEPO Life 4 batteries. Yep. If you look at a uh, one of those lithium, what, lithium ferrous uh, phosphate batteries. Yeah. You can get a 400 amp hour, a 400 amp hour battery that weighs 90 pounds. How much? 
Oh, well, they're about 1500 to 2000 bucks. Sheesh, I thought they would have come down more. You know, we, oh, you said amp hours, right? Yeah, 400 you, amp hours. Yeah. Do you know what the so, watt hours 100, are? 100 amp hour battery. What's that? Do you know what the watt hours are? Oh. Uh, and the only reason I ask I is because I, I, I know. I, the only reason I ask is because I, I follow pricing on these uh, like solar generator units, and they, for some reason, always use watt hours. And we're, we're really around a dollar a watt hour and it has been coming down so when i bought mine it was a three thousand watt hour i believe and it was about three thousand dollars and then they came out with a six thousand watt hour but it was about five thousand so you know buying the bigger okay. and and the, those prices keep coming down so um i, I should probably we're going to be talking about this kind of stuff a lot more i should probably work out a calculator because all the amps watts all that stuff starts to make my brain hurt um we're gonna grab a final call here matt what's on your mind oh let me try that again there we go yep, there we go <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> so putting some numbers together i sent you a little bit of information but uh i actually have very high expenses this year it, on right. maintenance and that's due to the age of my truck i've Basically, just to give off the top of my head without going through the notes, uh, put a whole set of tires and brakes in this truck, uh, put a transmission in this truck. I uh, just put uh, in the month of June was really expensive. I was off for two weeks and the truck was in the shop all time. New fuel tanks, fuel lines, uh, crankshaft dampener had a, the same as Jackie's issue. She's put new frame rails on her truck. I had the sleeper mounts were rusting and, and warping. Right. I got, I got the mounts. That's the problem she's running. She can't even find the mounts for her Freightliner. <laughs> Pulled them off, got a hole in the frame rail. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Underneath them. So, <laughs> yeah. $1,700 of the welding done to my frame rail. There you go. So, I've been spending a lot of money, and I still come out profitable for the month. Uh, not only that, you also sent me some interesting numbers here. Your gross revenue per mile going back to 2018. So I want to go through these numbers because it's a pretty interesting trend. 2018, it was $2.04 a mile. 2019, $2.34 a mile. 2020, $1.85 a mile. That, that was COVID. Um, 2021, back up to $2.63. 2022, the year we're talking about this owner operator that failed, it was early 2022. I, that was your record year, $2.89 a mile, all miles. How did this person fail in 2022? Yeah. What the hell happened? Well, I do know, yeah, the rates did start coming down and changing mid-22 on the spot market. It, right, but... but not it, dramatically it, until it, the end of the year. And do you believe for a second? Now I'm looking at your numbers. You also sent me some profit numbers from 2023 this year. You've broken 20,000 yeah. three times this year profit for the month. Yeah, but, so that, that profit of 20,000 a month, I don't, see that as that hard it's, to do. I, well, I know I'm not going to say it's easy. It, right. I, I know you don't, 20, but I, but think about this. Do you really believe this person was generating 20,000 a month in profit? Because if they were, how did they go out of business in about 30 days is what it happened. It sounds like happened in this article. So I'm not well, saying somebody couldn't yeah, have like done it. A lot of their numbers. I, I, I don't believe they did it because you don't just fall into $20,000 a month in profit. I don't care how good the rates are. It takes work and, and knowledge. Well, and this person clearly didn't have, been, have the knowledge. But but let's think about this. They must have been one of these people hauling the four and five dollar mile of freight because I've never done that. <laughs> right. But you know enough about this business and these numbers you teach other people. Can you think of a scenario in the, during that time frame that you could have gone from $20,000 a month profit to 3,300 in just a month or two? I can't think of a single scenario that could account for that. Well, you drop an engine, your expenses go way up, but 
I mean, that's a one-time event. You know, it, it, right, and that didn't happen. Month. That didn't happen. I'm sure that would be yep. in the article if it did. And then where do we come up with this goofy $1,400 a month truck payment? This must be some weird lease with yeah, a giant balloon. Because I did the math. That, In order well, to get that, you actually th- you had to finance it for 20 years. Was it one of the, what was it, the idle loan? Uh, oh. Through the government? Oh, no, that's 30 the years. 30 year. Well, yep. oh, no, the numbers wouldn't have worked out for an idle loan somehow. either. Right. Yeah, it, but I mean, here's another. No matter what, it doesn't work out. Right. So it, and well, it probably not because if that's the case, then we wouldn't have been talking about the fact that she only put four thousand dollars down on a hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar truck. No. no. <sighs> All right. We're. Uh, I just want to put out there the reason I throw my numbers out is because I want people to call and ask. Yes. I, and, I, and have questions and. I, I want more of this conversation. I, uh, me too. Look at Herschel's call. Here I am on my own authority, a truck and a trailer. I'm only grossing 271 so far this year. Herschel only owns a truck, doesn't own a trailer, leased onto a carrier, and he's at two, what do you say, 247, I believe? And he's home every something. night. That's only 20-some cents more a mile I'm grossing, and I have a lot more... Expenses. Risk. And risk, right. Yeah. And and more work. Now, you know, containers can be a pain, but like he said, he's working six to eight hours a day, and he's home every night. He's built a hell of an operation there in a segment where I talk about it all the time. It's hard to make money in containers. The competition is fierce. People want to be home. So they will take those jobs for less pay just so they can be home. And and I've told people for years, that is a tough business to make money in, but Herschel's killing it. Oh. So, yeah, I know you got to wrap this up because you're going to move over to Twitter. Yep, yep. we're going to head on over to Twitter. Joel and right. Henry we'll will be joining the me. the conversation over there. Perfect. We'll see you over there. All right. Uh, if you're listening on the app, you don't have to do anything different. We'll be back in about uh, 10 minutes or so. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, you should, well, you have to, if you want to join the conversation, you do have to be on the Twitter app. You can just keep listening on our app if you want. You want to join the conversation, uh, come on over and join us. We'll see you here in about 10 minutes. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.